0: Hello and welcome to the IP podcast, brought to you by Danes, one of Europe's leading firms of specialist patent and trademark attorneys. The IP podcast is all about intellectual property and how IP can add significant value to startups and SMEs, particularly when they're looking to grow and finance that growth. So if your company is investing in patents or trademarks or considering doing so, then this podcast is for you. We'd love to hear from you on what areas of IP are important to your business. So please email us at info and we'll aim to cover these issues in a future podcast. Also, if you do enjoy this podcast, please remember to subscribe for future episodes. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of the IP Podcast. Over the last 17 episodes, we've covered a wide range of IP topics and subject matter for all kinds of organizations, but mainly for startups and SMEs. We've looked at invention capture and IP ownership. We've looked at filing patents, trademarks, and designs, and how to get these granted or registered. We've looked at patent infringement and oppositions, and we've spoken to a few startups and individuals involved in the use and the commercialization of IP. Today, we're gonna touch on a few other areas which need to be considered by any kind of organization, whether a startup or a multinational. To help with this, I'm delighted to be joined by Sam Cleary, a UK and European patent attorney and an IP consultant in the Danes engineering team. Hi,
1: Sam. Welcome to the IP podcast. How are you? Hi, Ollie. I'm good, thanks. I've just got back from a a few days away celebrating my 30th birthday, but I'm glad to have made it back in time to join you for this season finale of the podcast. (laughs) Great.
0: Well, happy birthday for last week, Sam, and I hope you had a lovely few days off. Before we actually get started, would you like to just introduce yourself in more detail to our listeners?
1: Yeah, sure. So I've been at Danes for the last six and a half years after I joined the firm coming straight from my degree, which was in electronic engineering and computer science at UCL. As you mentioned, I'm a UK and European patent attorney in our engineering team. And in particular, I specialize in electronics, software and telecoms related inventions. Though I do also do some work on some mechanical engineering cases as well. So I work with a range of clients in these fields, everything from individuals through to large international organizations. But I am particularly passionate about working with startups, scale ups and SMEs. And so in my role at Danes, I'm an IP consultant within our consultancy arm, which offers a a range of consultancy-based services relating to IP, and I guess that's what we'll be talking about a little bit today. It certainly is. Thanks, Sam. So as
0: mentioned earlier, in previous podcast episodes, we've covered a wide range of issues and topics from the world of IP, but what are some of the other areas our listeners should be aware of and take into account when looking at their products, their inventions, and their IP?
1: Okay, so I think this podcast has been great so far at giving an introduction to a lot of the core elements of the IP system and the sorts of issues and opportunities that the listeners might face. But there are a lot of other ways that IP and expertise in IP can be leveraged for commercial purposes. And a lot of these are somewhat softer in nature in that they relate more holistically to broader business contexts. And there's a number of different things to consider. I suppose that the ones that are most key relate to setting your IP strategy, conducting portfolio reviews, carrying out investigations using analytics. And of course, a topic that's always coming up is in relation to getting investment and raising capital.
0: Okay, so it sounds like there's still some big topics which go way beyond the basics of what we previously covered. So let's go through these one by one. First of all, can you talk us through an IP strategy? What is it? Do I need an IP strategy? And how do you build and implement one?
1: All right. So I guess in its most basic form, an IP strategy is a plan uh, for how IP will be managed within the business and how that IP will then be used to achieve higher level commercial goals of that business. A well-built IP strategy should reflect these commercial goals and whether those relate to a roadmap for products or services that a company's looking to roll out, or future funding rounds, a planned exit, or whatever the case might be, whatever goals you might have in mind. And I think generally, all businesses that conduct any kind of innovation really should have an IP strategy in place. We've had various horror stories over the years of people that unfortunately came to us too late, having made What were otherwise avoidable mistakes that then caused them to miss out on valuable IP rights that might have helped them with the goals that we mentioned before. And so an IP strategy really should set out what IP the business has and how it will be protected. And it should consider how this helps to achieve one or more of the commercial goals. And this isn't necessarily just a a list of patent filings or trademark filings. The IP strategy should really highlight what's being done with the IP throughout the business, even if these aren't things that a patent or design or a trademark is going to be filed for or even could be filed for. The IP strategy should reflect what's being done with things like trade secrets and know-how as well, for example. And so the strategy might also highlight where you think new IP is going to be coming from over sort of planned R&D activities that a company is carrying out and also planning how to capture that IP at the appropriate time. And by capture, I mean not only just putting pen to paper, but also whether you end up registering rights for it or taking appropriate steps to protect it as a trade secret or whatever the appropriate course of action might be. So when we help to set an IP strategy for our clients, one of the things that they often find really helpful is a timeline that might project future milestones. And these milestones are both commercial events like, product launches and capital raises, but also milestones relating to the IP. So when you might be filing patents, trademarks, designs, and so on, and when those applications are going to publish and when we might expect a grant, deadlines for seeking international protection, and so on and so forth. And then using that timeline, we can then strategically plan the IP events around the commercial events or vice versa if necessary to try and make things run as smoothly as possible. So for example, you might plan to have your international deadlines fall slightly after a funding round. So, you know, seeking protection with a PCT application can be quite an expensive thing to do, especially for a startup. You know, the the budget might be tight but if you were to time things such that the 12 month deadline for filing the PCT falls a month or so after when you're going to be getting some money in from investors that can you know take away a lot of the stress you might otherwise have one other thing that the IP strategy should touch on is what the business plans to do in terms of third party rights so as well as you know looking after your own IP you need to consider the rights of others you know your your competitors might have patents or even organizations that Aren't necessarily direct competitors of yours, might hold patents that might impact your freedom to operate. And so the IP strategy should also cover what you're going to do in terms of that, whether that be carrying out searches or investigating whether it's worth trying to invalidate some of these competitor patents, whether you try to seek a license, so on and so forth.
0: It sounds like there's a lot to think about with an IP strategy, but it's obviously a fairly central part of a business armory
1: yeah for sure in terms of what we do on the consultancy side of things the ip strategy planning is probably the biggest part of it
0: and probably one of the most essential parts
1: oh definitely definitely i think as i say any business without one what's the the old adage if you fail to plan then plan to fail
0: (laughs) absolutely right thanks for that sam now what about the portfolio review what does this actually entail and how can it help an organization?
1: Okay, so say we imagine that the company's now been running for a few years. They've filed a number of maybe patent applications, maybe some designs, and they've now got a, a modest portfolio of IP rights. But we're, you know, a few years on from when they were filed, the world's moved on. product they make might have changed, possibly in response to customer feedback or further R&D. And it might be the case that the portfolio doesn't completely reflect the current state of play, or the company wants to move in a new direction. And this would be the right time to conduct what we call a portfolio review. And this is where we would look through the IP assets that the company currently holds, and then try to map these onto current and planned products or services, as well as to taking stock of any IP rights that are there maybe to block competitors. And then we would evaluate these assets to make sure that they all still support the business aims. And if not, look how we can change things in the portfolio to make better use of them. This might be by perhaps amending the claims in a patent to steer them better into the new direction or looking for a new way of monetizing patents or designs that you've already got by licensing them out or simply selling them on. Or in some cases, it might just be that you decide to drop some of the things in the portfolio. You know, you, you let them go abandoned so that we don't have any further expenditure on them. And then you can reinvest that IP budget into new IP instead. That might be a better use of the money.
0: Okay, so it sounds again like a fairly important and major requirement of an IP portfolio once it's going kind to of mature and aged. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Okay,
0: one of the other things you mentioned was investigations through analytics. What kind of things are you talking about here?
1: So, as I think has been discussed on the podcast before, IP is ultimately a business tool. And One of the interesting results of businesses using IP in this way is that it can give us insights into what some of our competitors are doing and the state of any given market. So to take patents as an example, the details of all patent applications and patents are contained on vast publicly accessible databases that can readily be searched. And we often use this ourselves for, you know, looking up prior art documents or looking into a particular patent. But if you know what you're looking for, you can actually get some really interesting insights out of it. So for example, if you look not just at one patent, but at larger numbers of patents, you can get an idea of competitors' overall filing trends or filing trends in a particular field of technology. And you can get an idea for the sort of strategies that other people are using. So... For example, if you see that a particular competitor is ramping up filings in a particular technology area, that might give you an indication that they might be trying to launch a product in an area that they haven't been looking at before. Or if, say, there's a a large number of filings or a growing number of filings in a particular country that didn't historically get a lot of filings in that particular field, That might give you an idea that it's an emerging market, and so you might want to investigate that yourself. The databases could give you an interesting insight into the commercial realities and give you an idea of what other people are up to that you might not otherwise be able to to get your hands on.
0: Yeah, from from a marketeer's perspective, I find that absolutely fascinating to be able to find out what the competition is doing and find out what activities they're undertaking. So I think that's where the you kind know, of whole investigations and using analytics and databases really come into their own.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that do seem to spend an incredible amount of time watching the patent databases. I mean, particularly, I suppose, quite timely at the moment with the sort of launches of the new PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox coming. There's, All sorts of forums on the internet where admittedly geeks like myself end up looking to see what features you might be getting ahead of time, which you know is not an exact science, but it, it, it does give some valuable insights into what other people are up to.
0: Definitely. The last aspect we're going to touch on is investment and capital raising, which is obviously key for any business wanting to grow and expand. So Sam, how does a startup go about attracting investors?
1: Okay, so the different types of investors that a startup might look to get money from largely depends on the size and the maturity of the startup. So an early stage startup might be looking at seed funding or maybe a series A round, which typically involves private equity, angel investors, and potentially venture capital firms or VCs to some extent. While a, a later stage company might be more likely to be looking more heavily at VCs, And one of the things that investors tend to look for is that the potential investment that they're looking at handing over, you know, large sums of money to has its IP strategy straight. So the sorts of things we were talking about earlier on, and, you know, they're looking to make sure that the sort of core IP is protected and that, you know, the company's created a sufficient barrier to entry for third parties, but also that, you know, due diligence has been done in terms of third party rights that might cause a problem later on and could otherwise scupper their investment. And generally we find that VCs at least are, are very clued up about IP, you know, they understand the system. It is not unknown for them to employ the services of patent attorneys like us that would carry out the due diligence for them before they offer investment. And so it's critical that the portfolio and the IP strategy are, are in good order before you start meeting up with these VCs. And actually, I think this is also increasingly true of some of the earlier stage sources of funding, too. You know, seed funds and angels are also pretty savvy when it comes to IP and also want to know that their money's being invested wisely. I suppose the difference is that they probably wouldn't expect a mature, diverse IP portfolio like a VC might, but they'd at least want to know that you've got your strategy set and that they're more likely generally to entertain the idea of handing over money if you've got one or more IP filings. So things definitely do tend to look better if you've got a patent in hand or a patent application at least. So I guess really the takeaway message is that before you head into an investment round or meet with investors and start opening up data rooms, it's normally a good idea to do a bit of housekeeping in advance to make sure that all of the IP aspects of the business are, are in good shape ahead of time. And to make sure that you're also, you know, well equipped to deal with investors questions because they will ask about these things. And so it might be good to have a, a talk with someone like us and, and make sure, you know, the answers to them before the questions are asked.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a really, really good point. When we had our podcast recently with the Oslo Cancer Cluster and Arctic Pharma, which are one of the, their member organisations, Bjorn was saying that investors wouldn't even look at them unless they had all their IP in place and everything was in good order. So I think this is the most important things before going to an investor, that everything had been reviewed, that the I's been dotted, the T's have been crossed, and really make sure that when the investor starts asking the questions about IP, you have all the answers completely ready for them.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, having those answers to hand will ultimately make you stand out if they're looking through portfolios of all sorts of investments. And there's one that really seems to know their stuff, you know, that certainly can't hurt you when it comes to getting money.
0: Okay. And Sam, what other things are there which a startup or SME needs to be thinking about? So far, we've looked at IP strategy, portfolio reviews, investigations and analytics, and obviously capital raising, which is completely key for getting a business from one stage to the next. But what other things need to be considered?
1: Yeah, I I think generally, there's a, a lot of different things that we can help with. And maybe a a good way of looking at it is that if you've got questions relating to your business's IP, then we can help to answer those questions. And so some of those types of questions might relate to, for example, how you might control the flow of information within your organization to try and keep trade secrets secure, or it might relate to carrying out due diligence activities before mergers and acquisitions or before making investments. And also, you know, there might be questions that relate to prospective licensing agreements or collaboration agreements, you know, working with other organizations, you know, we can help to make sure that your IP is protected and that, you know, you know what you're getting into before you start going too far down that road.
0: Okay, so there are clearly several other things to think about, which we'll probably have to cover in in more detail in the future podcast episode. But Sam, finally, can a patent attorney such as yourself can you advise and support on all the things we've discussed here today?
1: Yeah, we can indeed. So here at Danes, we take pride not only in the fact that we're you know experts in the various aspects of IP law and in our you know technical fields that we each specialise in, but I think something that really makes us stand out is that we're very commercially aware. And as I said earlier, you know our, our outlook on IP is that it's first and foremost a business tool. And generally, we always tend to work to make sure that we're helping to further commercial goals. The other thing is that we're you know, ultimately very well connected in the IP and innovation ecosystem. And so if we were approached with a question that did go beyond the expertise that we have in-house, uh, you know, we, we almost invariably have contacts in our network that we can bring in that can help put a team together and then help with whatever IP consultancy project you might have in mind.
0: Sam, thank you so much for that. That's been a really, really useful look at quite a number of different IP issues, which a startup or SME might kind of overlook, but but definitely need to bear in mind. So Sam, I really hope you've enjoyed your, your first Danes podcast experience.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's been great. And I'm, I'm hoping to be invited back at some point. <laughs> but in the meantime, if anyone wants to contact me to discuss uh, the things we've talked about today or any other IP issues, please email me on s cleary at danes.com
0: great thanks sam for now thanks to everyone for listening and it's bye from me
1: and it's bye from me too
0: thank you for listening to this episode of the ip podcast brought to you by danes if you'd like to contact us about any ip related issues please email us at info at or contact us via linkedin twitter or facebook or visit our website danes.com In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already.